Hi, my name is Art Walensky, and I'd like to talk with you tonight about some things that are very important to all of us, some problems that we are all facing, and perhaps more importantly, about a solution for some of these problems. On a big scale, I'm talking about countrywide problems, including our national debt, which is more than $28 trillion now, and also about the division, the polarization in our country. On a worldwide scale, I'm talking about things like the COVID-19 pandemic with loss of many lives, great disruption of economies, and fear of becoming infected, even now that vaccines are available, and things like lack of true peace in the world with the threat of world war, including nuclear war, always present in the background. On a smaller scale, but no less important, are personal things like depression, loss of a job, or the imminent possibility of losing one's job with the consequent concern of being unable to support one's family. Then there are individual hopes and dreams for the future. We want things to get better and not worse. We want a better world and country for our children and grandchildren, not a worse one. We want racism and hatred to go away. We want lying and deception to go away. We want fear to go away. The thought of a disease such as cancer coming upon a wife or husband or son or daughter is frightening. Why do terrible diseases still occur with no cure for so many of them? All these things rob us of personal peace. And then, what is perhaps the ultimate question? What happens to us after we die? Is there a heaven or a hell? Or is there perhaps neither one? Do we just cease to exist after we die? And if that is the case, has the life that we have lived had any meaning from the eternal point of view? For that matter, is there even such a thing as eternity? So we have a lot of serious concerns and serious questions. We all have them. And even though some of us may say, these questions don't apply to me, I have no concerns about the future. Well, that does not do away with the need to have answers to these questions because they are very real questions. We simply cannot deny that we do need answers because the problems that I'm talking about tonight are real. And are there remedies for these problems? Can anything be done about them? Is there a reason to hope? What if I were to tell you tonight that there are answers? What if I were to tell you tonight that there are remedies. Some of you may say to yourselves, who in the hell does he think he is? There are no answers to these questions. 
and there is no reason to hope. But friend, my response to you would be, and is, if you think that there are no answers and no, no hope, then why did you come here tonight? Why are you listening to me? You see, there is a God, and he has put eternity in the hearts of men and women. So where can we get answers? And where can we get hope about the problems that I've just mentioned? Well, in order to get answers and hope, we need to know why we, as a people, and you and I as individuals, have these problems. We need a reason. We need a diagnosis. But how can we get a diagnosis? Well, for starters, I think we can say that certain diagnoses that have been offered are not correct. Some people say that the cure for certain things, hatred of the Jewish people, to take one example, is lack of education. We must learn to understand our fellow humans better. We must be taught to learn that hatred and persecution are wrong. But if lack of education was the diagnosis, surely these things would have either gone away or gotten much better years ago, at least in enlightened countries like America. Well, if lack of education is not the answer, says someone, evolution must be the cause. By that I mean lack of evolution. We simply have not improved to the point where all these problems will recede into the background and even be eliminated eventually as we evolve into more perfect beings. And that's going to happen. But the problem with that diagnosis is that for those who believe in evolution, man has already had a lot of time to evolve many, many thousands of years already. And are wars gone? Is anger against your wife or children gone? Is road rage gone? Do you ever lose your temper without cause and deeply regret it later? Or even worse, not regret it? Or even worse than that, do you act on your anger and attack someone, perhaps leading to injury or even death? All these things continue to be regular daily occurrences all over the world. So evolution, or lack of it, is not the diagnosis. So what is the diagnosis? And where can we find it? And where can we find the cure? I'm going to read to you a few verses from the Bible. I beg of you, please listen to me. Listen carefully. I'm reading from Genesis, the first book in the Bible, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Here goes. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, friends, 
The Garden of Eden was a perfect place, and it was a real place. Adam and Eve, real people, were our first parents. We are all descended from them. There are no exceptions. The Lord God gave them complete freedom, except for one commandment or law. He told them, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord ordained one consequence for breaking this commandment. And that was this. He told Adam and Eve, quote, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die, unquote. Adam and Eve broke this commandment. The serpent, inhabited by the devil, who is Satan, tricked them into breaking this commandment. And Adam and Eve died that very day. Now, some of you may know that Adam lived for 930 years. So you might say to me, Art, Adam did not die when he ate the forbidden fruit. On the surface, I'd have to say that it appears that you are correct. But that is not the case. You see, Adam and his wife Eve died spiritually that very day. And because of that, each and every one of us, me and all of you, were born spiritually dead. But there is more. Although Adam lived 930 years, he still died prematurely because God intended him and Eve and all of us to live forever. Now, something really, really bad happened when Adam and Eve broke the one law that God gave them. In fact, two really bad things happened. First, sin entered into the human race. That's why Adam and Eve died, because the wages of sin is death. Without sin, there is no death. So sin entered into <clears throat> the human race, beginning with Adam and Eve. Now, the second thing that occurred at the same time that Adam and Eve died spiritually, they acquired an implacable enemy, Satan. More about him in a moment. So these two things would plague Adam and Eve and their descendants including all of you and me, down to this very day. Now, the instigator here was the serpent who was inhabited by Satan, the devil. He, too, is real, an evil angel, a spirit, powerful, who was thrown out of heaven for trying to put himself above God. God had something to say to Satan, after he deceived Eve, causing her to break God's one commandment and leading Adam to do the same. Here is what God said. I'm reading from the Tree of Life version of the Bible. Genesis chapter 3, 
excuse me, verses 14 to 15. Adonai Elohim said to the serpent, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you did this, curse to you above all the livestock and above every animal of the field. On your belly will you go, and dust will you eat all the days of your life. I will put animosity between you and the woman, Eve, between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head, and you will crush his heel. Now, folks, I want to make you aware of the fact that seed here (coughs) is singular. So your seed and her seed each refers to one individual. So God cursed the serpent, but he also prophesied something profoundly important. He prophesied the future coming of a deliverer, a Messiah, who would strike the serpent's head. This is the seed of the woman who is the Messiah or Christ. Now, the serpent, Satan, who is very much alive today, is well aware of this future head strike, which will disable his seed, the anti-Messiah or antichrist. And Satan's every moment is spent plotting different ways to prevent this head strike from occurring. Because when the Messiah, Christ, puts the Antichrist out of action, that will spell the future doom of Satan. Satan knows that when that happens, his time is very short. So we have an adversary. His name is Satan, and he is working against humankind, against all of us, and especially against those who believe in God, namely Christians, and especially against Jewish people. And we have sin. Sin inhabits every one of us. Satan is responsible for sin entering into the human race, and therefore he is responsible for death because, as I said earlier, the wages of sin is death. These things are the cause of our problems. These two things, if you will, make up the diagnosis. Now, at this point, I want to change direction slightly, and I want to focus on Satan and his role in causing our problems. Satan causes our problems because Satan is the opposite of God. As God is love, Satan is malice, hatred, deception, and more. He is our constant adversary. He will do everything in his power to harm people whom God created, and so he harms people, and especially Christians, and even more so Jews. And because we have sin in us, every one of us has it, it is difficult for us to resist this adversary. 
But you might say to me, Art, explain this more thoroughly. How does this work? I will do my best to explain it now. Satan works especially on the mind of a person and on the pride of a person. Pride is perhaps the greatest sin that a human being can have. Satan is a tempter and a liar. He might say something like this. What is that your neighbor is doing to you? Isn't he trying to move the boundary post of your property and to take away from you what is rightly your land? You'd better stop him, whatever it takes. Or he might say, look at that man. His skin is a darker color than yours. He can't be any good. You'd better do to him all you can to harm him, even kill him. And at the least, the very least, make him your slave. Or Satan might say this, what do you think of those Jewish people? They say they're God's chosen people. Do you believe that? Don't you know that what they are is a group of people who want to take over the world? And they will do whatever they have to do to accomplish that. They'll steal, kill, and destroy. Do you think they care about the Palestinians? Of course not. They want to annihilate the Palestinians. Better that they, the Jews, should be annihilated. Or Satan might say this, Hey, young man, I know that you didn't study, and so you flunked that midterm exam, and now your dreams of becoming a doctor or a lawyer are threatened. I know that you plan to work harder and pull your grades up, but you need to know something. The problem is you. You just don't have the ability to do better. You're always going to flunk. You might as well just end it all now. Take your own life. Be done with it. Just swallow that bottle of pills. Just go ahead and do it. Or Satan might say this. Hey, you. You are a black man. I know that you're having financial troubles. Well, that job you just lost, they're going to give that job to a white man. Don't you know that all your troubles are caused by whites? Until all whites are put down, there's no hope for you. You'd better do something about that. Or, hey, Senator, you know this country, America, is no good. You need to do what you can to pull it down, even to destroy it. One thing that you can do is to bankrupt it, it, to make it implode financially. Refuse to vote for any austerity measures, for any budget restraints. That's right. Now, remember, I didn't tell you to come up with this. You came up with this all by yourself. Well, My friends, I think you get the idea. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the future and about Satan's plans. Satan has something extra special planned for this world, and he is working to set up the preliminaries even now. 
He is going to raise up a man, the Antichrist, who will wreak havoc in this world and on planet Earth for a period of seven years. The seven-year period is named in the Bible. It is called the Tribulation. It's going to be comprised of two equal time periods of three and one-half years each. The second half is referred to in the Bible as the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob is another name for Israel, so this will be an especially bad time for the Jewish people. The tribulation will be a unique period in history, worse than anything that has ever happened, and worse than anything we can imagine. During the time of Jacob's trouble, there will be a holocaust that will be worse than Hitler's holocaust. The prophet Zechariah predicted that two-thirds of the Jewish people will die during the tribulation, along with a great many other people. Is there a way to avoid entering the tribulation? There is. People who have become believers in Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, will not go through this period. They will be caught up to meet Jesus in the air in something called the rapture, which is the first part of the return of Jesus, his second coming. This rapture is for all who believe, for Jews and for Gentiles, and for Christians who, if they are genuine, are by definition believers, like me. The final part of Jesus' second coming occurs later, at the end of the tribulation. So what can be done now? Is there a cure for all the turmoil and tragedy that is occurring on the earth today? Yes, there is. Believe that God has sent the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He came 2,000 years ago and shed his blood and died on the cross. Then he rose again. God the Father sent him, the only begotten Son, to make this sacrifice so that you and I could be forgiven of all our sins, so that we can live together with God in heaven forever. Living in heaven with God is still in the future for us, however. What about now? Accept the free gift of salvation now, and you will instantly become a new creation. God will then work to perfect you, to make you more and more like Jesus, Yeshua, every day and every year until you depart from this earth to be with God in heaven. You will have an inner peace, peace with God, the peace that passes all understanding as God works to perfect you. And When Yeshua returns, he will set up his millennial kingdom, the messianic kingdom, during which he will literally reign for 1,000 years from Jerusalem. Then there will be perfect peace in the whole world. No more wars. No more bad things like we see today. At the end of this 1,000 years, Satan, who is imprisoned during this time, will be released to do his mischief again, briefly, for a short time. 
and he will then be thrown into the lake of fire, hell, for eternity. Don't you want to be part of these future plans of God? Don't you want to spend eternity with God? I surely do, which is why I accepted this free gift from my Savior, Yeshua, 25 years ago at the age of 49. It is not too late for you. As long as you have life and breath, it's not too late. Say a prayer today. Mean it. Lord Jesus, Yeshua, my Messiah, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that as a sinner, God cannot have me in heaven with him. Please include me in what you did for me on the cross. Forgive all my sins and wash me clean with your blood, the blood of the Lamb, now. Please, Lord, now. And help me to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, my Messiah and Lord. Amen.